No, no, no. She's not a medical doctor, but she can sure cure your tax problems or your financial woes. She's the how-to girl. It's the Dr. Friday Show. If you have a question for Dr. Friday, call her now, 737-WWTN. That's 737-9986. So here's your host, financial counselor and tax consultant, Dr. Friday. G'day, I'm Dr. Friday, and the doctor is in the house. It is a hot Saturday, so let's just keep that fire burning. I got one of my best friends in the office here. I guess it's considered an office, eh? The radio station for us it is it feels like a little bit of an office yeah <laughs> anyways hank parrot state and financial strategies out of brentwood tennessee um we've been working together for 20 plus years i used to try to keep that number lower now it's just over <laughs> it now it's like we have to keep moving anyways not, not nearly 20 over 20 <laughs> yeah 20 plus i have to go with now just let that slide at that moment but we've been working together because hank is a financial strategist that basically he's awesome he can look at your financials and if when you're ready to retire are you going to have enough money? And he always says, you know, to continue the lifestyle you have today, not something that you're going to be sacrificing. Oh, my gosh, I have to retire, and I'm going to have to downsize. I'm going to have to do this. His whole plan is a whole different plan, huh, Hank? That's right. We want to have fun in retirement. We want to thrive, not just survive. It's not about getting by. It's about how to enjoy your life. And, I mean, you work all, all your life to what? build up and be able to have more time, more things that you can do. And so, yeah, when we do when we do have financial planning with my clients, one of the things we always add in there is fun money. You know? I like that. And that's different, you know, for each person as far as how well, much. Absolutely. But- and that it depends on their thing. But so assuming that someone earlier should come visit you versus waiting right. until two years before you to retirement, it's a little hard to really build up that nest egg at that point. Right. So, you know, sooner versus later would be a great time to come in and have that consult to find out are they on track with inflation, medical costs, because I know those are two big concerns a lot of people yeah. doing. Uh, most, most of my clients are boomers, so they, uh, they're looking at how can I, a lot of times the most um, asked question is that of can I retire when I want, have the lot, you know, be able to at least maintain my current lifestyle and then add in some things, like I said, some fun right. money, and then uh, be able at the same time then to um, to add basically the fun money piece I talk about is this. It, it differs for, for every person. Do you want to travel? Do you have certain leisure activities that you enjoy? Is it about family things? Maybe you like, uh, maybe you want to do more things around your church. You want to volunteer. You want to be able to give more. Maybe mm-hmm. that. Maybe go on mission trips. So for every every client that comes in, it's a little different in terms of how it works. Right. But the big question is, can I do it when I want to do it and not worry about running out of money? One of our biggest fears for all of us. Well, for, yeah, I mean, that's a concern I think all of us have no matter what age we're at. But while we're working, a lot of times we get so wound up, I think, in living for now yeah. that we forget, especially – my generation or the generation behind me, I think a lot of times we're not putting maybe enough aside. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Now's the time to come in. And Hank has an awesome deal for my listeners. What are you going to give them? A comprehensive financial plan. So what? The, it's not just a free consultation. We're not just going to basically sit around, drink coffee for an hour and, and wish you well. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to do a plan. And in that plan, what we're going to be doing is looking at an investment analysis to be part of it. We'll pull some Morningstar reports. I'll be able to stress test your uh, portfolio to see what kind of risk you have in there. Basically can show you over the next, you know, in the next uh, downturn, in the next bear market, 
market drops 40 or 50%, can show you what you can expect in your current strategy and what you're doing, and then show you ways that you can improve that. We look at Social Security. We answer right. all the questions. What's when do you up? take Social Security? Yeah. Medicare, how does that work? What are the best options uh, to take advantage of there? Planning to have the money in hand to pay for health care costs, to uh, maintain your current standard of living. Should I have long-term care insurance or not, and the advantages and disadvantages, right? Absolutely, yeah, we talk about that as well. So we look at what you have for income, what you have for expenses. We add in for inflation. We take away for taxes. Big part of it, of course, is tax planning, which you and I do, you know, with all my clients are then. Then investments, and then the rate of return. What's the needed rate of return on your money to attain your goals? And uh, and what's, what's your current rate of return, and how can we improve upon all these things? So that's all the comprehensive plan. You call my office, 615-376-5325. We've got operators standing by. They'll get your information. They'll send you out a, a list of things to bring to your appointment with me. And when you come in to see me, I'll also give you a free copy of my book, Seven Steps to Financial Freedom in Retirement. Yeah, because I think, I, I mean, I know even as a tax person, one of the big questions people often come in and ask about is, of course, Social Security. Should I take it early? Should I take it later? Now with the new tax laws, long-term care uh, or insurance, long-term, sure. used to be a portion of that was a tax deduction under the medical expense. It still mm-hmm. is. It's just so much harder for people to meet the, right. the needs for itemizing that, you know, people are like, well, is there still a good advantage to it? And never thought of a tax advantage being the best reason right. to do anything in life you and know there are, I mean, there, are, there are ways that you can cover long-term care that don't involve just your traditional long-term care policy there are other ways to do that comprehensive planning is basically looking at all the different things that you're going to have to deal with and there are a lot of complexities right. taxes being just one of them uh, that you're going to decisions you're going to have to make and i can show you basically what kind of outcome you're going to have in advance. So if you're deciding to decide as an example, uh, do I want to retire at 62 or at 66, I can show you the outcome of those decisions 10, 20 years down the road to help make it easier for you to make that choice. Right. And that's and then also you do some estate planning. I mean, as far mm-hmm. as you will bring in an attorney when it comes time to doing the documents, but you'll also cover some of that in this as well because Absolutely. I know a lot of people, you know, they don't really have, I mean, they may have a will if you're mm-hmm. lucky. I mean, I right. can tell you clients because hanging out with this guy way too many years. As a tax person, the first thing that should not be out of my mouth is, well, do you have a will or an estate to take care of this? Right. And I can't tell you how many people, you know, I've, I've sent to Russ or to Jack, you know, because, mm-hmm. you know, they don't. I mean, people, yeah. you know, work, work, work and forget that, you know, if something happens you do to you today, what if you are a second marriage, mm-hmm. there's his kids, your kids, our kids, yeah. um, and things, we've both seen stories where things have went to the wrong person, the ex-wife gets the life insurance yeah. because he didn't change it to go Making to his sure new wife or whatever. designation exactly. right to date is one of the more common mistakes that we see all the time where people have not, you know, they're disinheriting people inadvertently. Because right, they don't they mean think to. They, right. An example would be you think you've got a will down and you say, well, it's going to go out this way, but then you've got beneficiary designations that bypass the will. Right. Those so are- we talk about, you know, with, my, with estate planning, and that's Chapter 7 in my book, by the that's way, right. Seven Steps. And that's you'll get that when you we- go see- meet him. He'll also it. give you a copy. Give you a copy of that book. And when we get into estate planning, we talk about the difference between wills and trusts. Uh, the five essential documents right. uh, that form the foundation of a good estate plan starts with a revocable living trust. Add in a pour-over will, a kind of a safety net, mm-hmm. if you will, for your, your planning. Power of attorney for assets, power of attorney for health care, a living will. 
the whole package and, and work with uh, attorneys like Russ, like Jack, right. uh, Brian Howard over at uh, Howard Mobley up in Green Hills, number of attorneys that we work with that right. we can bring in based on your situation, we can kind of match you up with right. the best one for you. Yeah, and, and I think a lot of people need to at least start out with those essential documents. Now, you may not think that you're at a point where you need a trust or, or anything like that, and maybe you don't. Maybe you only have one 401k and using the power of attorney, you could handle everything that direction, but you still need to have your wishes in some sort of form of writing and exactly. needs to be my yeah, opinion. Not everybody. I mean, not I, I think most of my clients yeah. have trust, but oh, it's, there are except, yeah. you know, yeah. as with everything, not everyone. I think sometimes as you, well, it, it depends. I mean, like I said, if all your money is in one basic retirement account, mm -hmm. you probably could handle that through one yeah, basic distribution. You can do exactly. Distribution, so one of but, the things, real you know, estate, if you, if you, if there, there are people that haven't states. recovered from the last financial yes. crisis and yes. saying i'll never own a house again and they're I renting know. and uh so they rent a house and they've got all their their accounts uh you know in retirement accounts yep. that they can just do beneficiary designations or keep it simple POD's, some people like to on death you know have all clauses. those kind of things but the fact is you need to know what is best for you so right. that's why you need to do and this is a free consult guys so if you've got a financial person you love that you think are doing a great job then get a second opinion that's what i always say i mean it may not be that hank may turn around and say you know what this person is watching out for you. They've done an awesome job. Might be that he says, this person is making money off you and not doing such a great job. But you want to be the person that has that second opinion. That's where I, I think this whole package Basically, is. Why I love having at least Hank know here. what your risks are. Right. So if you've got, I've seen portfolios come in all the time. People bring in their portfolios and we're looking at them and we see long-term, long-duration bonds, which right. can be very risky in a rising interest rate environment. So last year that looked really scary. Then this year we've seen... Uh, the Federal Reserve now talking about, re, you know, in know. fact, reducing rates a little rates bit, again. just dropped them a quarter when, and likely to do it again before the year's out. So, but do we really think interest rates are going to stay this low for how much longer before we well, do? Well, we said that, that a year ago, and I couldn't believe that they'd actually go down from there. Right. So who knows? I mean, I never thought tax rates would go down. So obviously that's the whole thing of having such a diversified portfolio is that you're able to take advantage again i'm using these terms that he's taught me right diversified portfolio i'm a tax person people yeah, yeah. but that is it you know that's what you've always and, said and you understanding know understanding what you, what's in your portfolio so if you see in your portfolio for instance that you have high yield a high yield bond fund well that's that's another word for a junk bond fund you oh know? so be looking out for the risk well, i know that i don't have go that there so that's basically companies that are in high yield high yield bond funds typically have companies in it that have low credit ratings yeah so there's a higher default risk and again, it's just understanding. So what maybe even has worked for you over the last 10 years in the longest bull market in history, <laughs> what about the next 10? How's right. it going to do then? And I think also if you're invested in what is an annuities that we've often had these conversations yeah. about, there's like a couple really great ones and then there's like thousands of really bad ones. Yeah, um, so making sure that you're- different annuity products. Variable annuities are one of those. If you hear bad press about annuities, that's typically one, but there are others. I mean, but variable annuities- High, you're investing in the market. You're taking the risk of the market, uh, but in addition to and that, with cost. no guarantees, you have higher fees. And those fees, I, I, we're always calling companies to see what their fees are with with clients. We'll just, you know, they mm -hmm. come in with their variable annuity. We'll just call the company and let them tell them. Mm -hmm. You know, here, here saying, right over yeah, things. Here you yeah. go. You can, uh, you know, <laughs> I, I know the, the questions to ask to get you the answers you need. Oh, and gotcha. that's one of them. So you see fees that are three and a half, four and a half percent a year. It's very wow. difficult to make money with those kind of, with yeah, those high with fees. Interest rates going down and fees yeah. going up. That doesn't you see like a the good same plan. Limitate. There are other annuities that aren't, aren't that great too, that can also have high fees. So it's important well, to do an analysis. That's what I say. Get an analysis because yeah. if you're at, 
if you're not at your full retirement, maybe you are, but you need to know what those risks are so you can't think, oh, I've got this money because I remember sitting at the table last week or so with a gentleman that thought he had some money set aside in an annuity. Mm -hmm. And when he came to you and you started looking at it, it wasn't what he thought he purchased. Um, You know, and that's that's the problem. Sometimes people get or think they're hearing or told something and then the product doesn't end up being what it was. He thought it was was a continuous life or something and half the and then, you know, but they put different riders on them that you know promise income or something and they'll it they you get these numbers it's just a mathematical construct and you have to recognize it's not real money it's like you know if you take it as income they're going to base the income stream on say i don't know we'll have four hundred thousand dollars but the actual cash value i mean what the annuity is worth if you wanted to take money out is 250 yeah well that's and you're thinking you've got all this money and it's right and that's where i I was just sitting there when we were talking about taxes and i heard him and you could tell he I mean, it was, uh, he was just shocked that this was what he thought he had gotten and, you know, he wasn't getting what he thought. All right, we're going to take our first break. If you'd like to call Hank's office, 615-376-5325 for the first 10 callers, 615-376-5325. If you want to join us here in the studio, ask him questions. Maybe you've got a friend that has some tax issues. I'm an enrolled agent licensed with the Internal Revenue Service, so we love taxes here. 615-737-9986 is here in the studio. 615-737-9986. We'll be right back. All righty. We are back live in studio. Phone number here in the studio. If you've got questions, 615-737-9986. I'm an enrolled agent licensed with the Internal Revenue Service to do taxes and representation, which basically, guys, means I'm really good at one thing dealing with the IRS. So if you've got tax issues, if you're trying to figure out, I've got back taxes, I don't know where to start, I've got divorced and I didn't want to file taxes for a number of years because, well, I just kind of hated the whole world. Whatever might have been the reason or the situation, you know, we just, now's the time to get the handle. I mean, if you want to get back on your feet, one of the things you really do have to get back together on is taxes. And they are making deals. It's not as easy as some of these commercials sometimes say, oh, if you owe more than $10,000, we can help you. Yeah, we can help you figure out how you're going to pay the IRS sometimes, or we can help you actually save money with the IRS. So, you know, if you want to go join us here, 615-737-9986, 615-737-9986. I have got one of my favorite mates in the office here with me on the studio. I don't know why I keep saying office, I guess, because we show up at each other's offices so much, uh, Hank, and it's Saturday. I shouldn't have to work on a Saturday, even though, what, for 10 years now, I've worked Saturdays. <laughs> so it's, it's, there you go. It's it's and not Sunday been, this week. I know, and that's right. We're <laughs> going to be doing Sunday radio for uh, the uh, what is is it called? The Retirement Report as well. Yeah. Okay. Retirement Report radio so tomorrow. Hank does at a a TV show on News Channel Five Plus, and it airs. I know Friday mornings between 8 and 9, it's live, and you can do a call-in and everything with him. It's called The Retirement Report, if you um, don't know who's on my show. And then he mm-hmm. now has a new radio show on, I know it's 15, Tim, but there's yeah, also an FM station. Yeah, 98.3, WLAC. WLAC, yeah. okay. So 98.3 on FM dial and uh, 1510 AM. The uh, the Retirement Report, you just and that's mm-hmm. on 2 to 3 um, on Sundays. And right. then the Retirement Report, the uh, News Channel show. 5 Plus. Yep. Uh, Comcast Channel 250. Right. Look up your and, and you can live stream it. You can right. you know go onto the website and, and live stream the uh, and it repeats well. like four times. So it's like three on o'clock after us. on Friday, one o'clock on Saturday, and then ten thirty on Sunday and five o'clock on Sunday. Okay, so it was right before us. Yeah. 
All right, we've got Dennis on the phones real quick. Let's hit Dennis. Hello, Dennis. Uh, yes. Hello, Dr. Friday. Hello, sweetheart. What can I do for you? Well, I have a sales tax question. Okay. Is that okay? Uh, perfect. I live in Mount Juliet. Okay. And I'm considering buying a vehicle in Georgia. Okay. The question is, can they force me to pay Georgia sales tax? No. In fact, well, they can if you are buying the vehicle and driving it from the state. So if you go to a car lot in Georgia and buy it and it's not shipped to you, now I know a lot of people will say, oh, well, I'm an out-of-state person, I shouldn't have to pay it. But Tennessee law, at least, is if a person comes on that lot and they buy it and they drive it from the lot, it is not considered an out-of-state sale unless you're military. Now, military is a little different situation, but for you and me, Dennis, uh, the normal person, then what happens is you pay Georgia State, which is actually lower than our state sales tax anyways, you'd still have to come here and pay the difference. Want to register the vehicle? Yes, sir. Um, Because I think it's like seven and a quarter or something in Georgia. Don't hold me to that, but it's like seven or eight, and we're like 9.25 to 9.75. Well, the sales tax on a vehicle here isn't on the entire it isn't. You're right. Seven. It's seven percent on the entire vehicle, and then one point four five or something like that. And then uh, it's like thirty four dollars, thirty two dollars and forty four up to the first sixteen hundred, and then the second sixteen hundred or thirty two hundred dollars. We have to pay those differences. So you're right. It's seven percent on the basics, but you have additional eighty dollars of additional tax on top of whatever that seven percent is, roughly. You know that. That doesn't sound right because I'm placing the vehicle in use in Tennessee. Yes, but I mean, like I say, Tennessee law doesn't really know that. All they all they know is that you came to a car lot in. I mean, and I'm using Tennessee law instead of Georgia because I don't really know Georgia law. But in Tennessee, if you drive and come up buy a car off one of our callouts and you've got an out of state license, and you're saying, well, this is going to be an out of state car, the car by law is supposed to be shipped to that person put on a vehicle and taken out of state, and then it's considered an out-of-state sale because they don't know. I mean, how many people are driving the streets today with Georgia licenses in the state of Tennessee? You know what I'm saying? They don't know for sure that you're really going to take it out of state. That's the state side of the conversation. You mean? Georgia law might be different. Georgia law may be different. They, you may be able to go there with a, a Tennessee license and say, I'm buying this for, and I live in Tennessee. Here's my address. Here's my driver's license. They may say, fine, we'll not pay. We'll treat it as an out-of-state sale. And then when you register it here in Tennessee, you will pay the 7% plus those little extra dollar amounts. All right. Thank you very much. I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, it wasn't a ton of help. going here on Tuesday. So. Okay. Well, let me know. That way I'll have a better answer for the next person to ask that question. Because I don't really have a great one for you, Dennis. Sorry. And uh, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go see Atlanta play New York Mets. Let's Ooh, go Mets. Let's Mets. All right, buddy. Go. See ya. Bye. Bye. All right. You know I'm such a sportsy. All right. Back in the studio here with yeah. Hank. And Hank, I have a question for you. Sure. Required minimum distributions. Yes. So this what am I is saying? What does that mean? Yes. Uh, one, so understanding how retirement accounts work. If, you're, if you have an IRA, traditional IRA uh, or a traditional uh, retirement plan like a 401k, could be a SEP IRA too, by the way, um, a simple IRA, the 
401k, 403b, 457, basically, yes, anything that's got these tax deferrals that you've been able to take advantage of. For federal employees in the military, you've got a thrift savings plan. This also works the same way. The exception would be Roths. Roths are not subject to required minimum distributions, whether it's a Roth. But they weren't deferred. Right, exactly. I mean, taxes you paid were, already they the grow tax, tax-free, but you paid the tax, put it exactly in, right? Exactly right. It grows tax-free, and there's going to be some real advantages that can come from right having now. a Roth. We use that a lot in planning when we're talking about taxes, not just taxes today, but taxes over your lifetime. Roth can be a big help to you as far as tax-efficient income in retirement. And when it comes to required minimum distributions, the important thing to understand is that at age 70 and a half, you have to start taking those required minimum distributions. And what that is is basically the IRS saying you have to take a distribution. You have to take money out of those retirement accounts. The exception being if you have a retirement account, say a 401k that is, or TSP or something, and you're still working past the age of 70 and a half, then at least on that account, you You don't don't have have to to take the RMD. As soon as you retire, you immediately have to take the RMD on that account. But now if you have other accounts, just because you're still working past 70 and a half, if you've got an IRA or a 401k from a previous employer than the one you're at now, you have to take RMDs from that. If you do not, it's a 50, 50 50% penalty. So if you needed to take a $10,000 required minimum distribution and didn't, yes, 5,000 tax penalty, plus you have to pay tax on it, plus they're still going to make you take it out, okay, and pay tax. So you can't avoid it. Now, Understanding on this rule of 70 and a half, so if yep. you turn 70 and a half, let's say this year as an example, technically you have until April 1st of 2020, next year, to take that required minimum distribution. Most people take it in the year in which they turn 70 and a half. The reason is when you turn, you know, the next year, you're going to have to take an RMD as well. So if you wait until April 1st, you'll have to take an RMD for that 70 and a half from the year before. You'll have to take it then. And then before the year's out, you'll have to take another one for that year. Which is another reason I'm going to jump in. But that's a reason a lot of people should sit down and talk with you because I have been in his office at times when he's like, no, 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 we're going to wait to the April 1st because Mm -hmm. maybe the person retired or in that year and they've got higher income and it's going to drop or that you're doing something, a conversion in one year to help save the money, whatever. But I have seen that. So it's not Mm -hmm. simply, well, you know, and then I had one guy that we just did the math and it was just as easy for him to do it. This year, because mm-hmm. his income bracket, if he did twice, his contribution would have kicked him we in a higher bracket. The, we look at what your income is, what the tax impact. So let's say if you're 70 and a half, we look at how much you're going to pay in tax if you take the RMD and if you don't take the RMD. Then we look at the next year and we say how much you're going to pay in tax if you have one RMD or if you have two RMDs. Right. And then we just do the math. And if it's going to give less tax to wait and take two RMDs in a year, and sometimes that does work out that way, then, of course, that's what we're going to do. Always about minimizing taxes. And now we also look forward. So we know that, let's say, I've got, you know, clients coming in, they're in their 60s, and they're saying, okay, we know that you've got that RMD, or even in their 50s for that matter, and get that RMD looming at age 70 and a half. We know you're going to have, and I can do the calculation again, do the math. We can do uh, estimated rates of return on your money, determine how much your uh, accounts are going to grow to by then how much the RMD is going to be on that amount, right. what, then look at what that's going to affect you as far, how that's going to affect you as far as your taxes. And if that's going to push you up into a higher bracket, as an example, especially going from, let's say, 12 to 22, then we want to revisit that. Let's say, well, hmm, can we do some things now, Roth conversion strategies and other strategies that we utilize to minimize that RMD, maybe bring you back down into a lower bracket so that long-term it'll save you taxes. So we yep. don't just look at this year, but over the next 10, 15, 20 years. When we come back from this break, he's going to tell you a way of actually reducing your RMD by doing something with that money 
that would actually save you and help someone else at the same time. Hopefully that's a good teaser. All right. And if you'd like to reach his office, because the first 10 callers is going to get an awesome free package he doesn't offer to everyone. 615-376-5325. His operators are standing by. 615-376-5325. We're going to be right back with the Dr. Friday Show. I'm Dr. Friday, an enrolled agent with the Internal Revenue Service. That's pretty much what I do. Taxes, representation, kind of like superwoman between you and the IRS. A little shield. And I've got Hank Parrott here in the off, uh, in the studio with me. I can't get office off my brain. <laughs> got to go to the office. All right, let's see if we go. I think it's Wendell. Hey, Wendell. Hi, how are you? I am awesome. What can I do for you, sweetie? Well, I'm listening to your discussion about RMDs. and yes. uh, And... Uh, I take advantage of the tax break with the RMDs by sending a portion of it directly to charities or to, to oh, my church. Oh, man, Wendell, you gave Indeed. the secret away. Good oh, job. No, 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 that's awesome. That's exactly, you won't believe how many people come in my office and have never heard of it. Um, it wasn't final, you know, it wasn't always permanent in the tax law, so it was something we every year had to sometimes figure out if it was going to happen. But that that's awesome. That's exactly what we were hoping someone would say. Yes. Yeah, well, my question is, is my son-in-law has inherited his mom's IRA, and uh, she was uh, had an RMD, and if he were to send that directly to charities, he'd get the same tax break that I would. <laughs> He's only 51 yeah. years old. This is, unfortunately, this, uh, the QCD actually applies to your own account, and an inherited IRA is not your account. Inherited IRAs, um, even though you have to take the required minimum distributions, um, you know, when you when you inherit, no matter how young you are, um, and it's a different table. It's a little. It's a more aggressive table. So you're taking a bigger amount out on the inherited IRA, uh, but you can't do rollovers. You can't do Roth conversions. There's a lot of restrictions on an inherited IRA uh, that don't apply, of course, to your own IRA. And that's one of them. So that qualified charitable deduction that you're able to take on your own RMD on your own retirement account, allowing you to give directly to that charity and thus not have to pay, not count that uh, that uh, required minimum distribution in your income, uh, does not apply on inherited. And be careful, too, because the asset protection uh, piece is another one that we deal with quite a bit. With your own retirement accounts, you have both state and federal laws that help protect you and any kind of number of bad things life might throw your way, personal injury lawsuits, bankruptcy, tax tax problems, uh, divorce, any of these things that could put your assets at risk, they're, they're, your IRAs and, and retirement accounts are protected, however, not for inherited IRAs. This is another advantage that they trust can reason. provide yeah. uh, as far as, you know, if you're going to leave retirement accounts to your children, uh, if you set up a trust during your lifetime, a revocable trust, and have tr- have it left in trust to them, they can get, get the asset protection that goes with that. Very well. Well, thank you very thank much. You so wasn't much. exactly what I wanted to hear. but uh, <laughs> Exactly. <I know. laughs> Not always the good news. <laughs> Unfortunately, he, he never came back to any good point, did he there? Thanks, Wendell. <laughs> Appreciate the call, buddy. Sure thing. Thanks. Bye. Um, let's see here. I think I – I don't know. I, uh, there we go. Yeah. All right. 
Um, okay, so he did come back. So yeah, this is one of the recap with- one more time for everyone yeah. that may not understand. So if I have to take my required minimum distribution at seventy a half, mm-hmm. what is a yeah, was the qualified? Just to make sure you really understand how this works. Exactly, because the rules are are pretty strict on it, and if you don't do it correctly, you can end up paying tax on what would have otherwise been tax. Right. So walk us through. So an example with a quadruple, what happens when I've I've got a number of clients that do it, what we do is we notify the custodian, whoever, you know, wherever the money's at, that we're going to do this. We provide them with the name of the charity, their their, uh, tax uh, ID number, so that the, and every, and the address, all the different information for the charity. The money is actually goes out to the uh, individual that has the IRA made out, though, to the charity, and then they can, you know, give right. it on to the charity. But now if I want to take $100,000 out, I right. can't just give that all to charity. No, it has to be your required minimum distribution. So if your required minimum distribution is $100,000 well, yes. and you got a really, you know, you got, I don't know, what would that be, $100,000? I think it's up to 100000 that you can actually give on right. a qualified uh, charitable. But, but it, it, the most important part of that was I wanted to make sure, because some people take yeah. extra money out of their well, retirement. that's the other part. You might have a $20,000 or $40,000 RMD as an example. Right. And you may be, maybe you want to give that, all of that to the charity or to even more than one charity. Right. Uh, for that matter, or you may just say, "Well, let's give to, you know." I want to give people, five of it, and then the rest yes. of it, I'm going to. A lot know. of people are doing their tithing that way. Right. They're saying, "You know what? I'm going to tithe well, this. Under I'm going to take care of my tithing, law, but maybe the tithing is less than the total arm." Under the new tax law, yeah. the problem is you're going to get the standard deduction. So if yeah. you're a married couple exactly. and let's just say under the age of 65, you're going to have twenty four thousand mm-hmm. dollars. Now, if you're over the age of 65, which you would have to be to take requirement of distribution, right. so it's like twenty six thousand some dollars that yeah. you have as that. So if you think about it, you're going to get that 26000 but if you always give 5000 to your church, if you mm-hmm. do it through this required minimum distribution and then you do it through the qualified charity deduction, right. then you'll still get all 26000 You don't have to worry about meeting any kind of itemization. You've automatically reduced the dollar for dollar the deduction. It, yes, and it has to go direct from custodian right. to you charity. Right, you can't touch the money. In essence, you can't, the check has to be made out right. to the charity. Church or if you if you just take your distribution and then give a contribution to your church or whatever other charity, it. you're going to pay tax on that's going to be taxable income to you. You're going to have to meet that high standard deduction before you can get into itemizing right. and and. and I mean, at that losing. age, where most people are probably not. I mean, I have a lot of people and many of your clients, extremely mm-hmm. great givers. Don't get yeah, me wrong, exactly. but even if they're giving twenty thousand mm-hmm. dollars, they're still not going to be itemizing because they don't have any mortgages at that point and everything else. So this way, they can reduce both of them and take full advantage. You're um, talking, yeah, and you saving. do have to make sure it's a five hundred one c three. I just want to put that out there. Right. It has to be a legitimate nonprofit. It can't be. Um, you know, your neighbor you're trying to help bail out or someone on the street that you're trying to help get back on their feet, all great causes. But this particular thing has to be registered with the IRS as a 501c3. There you go. And you're talking savings probably somewhere between $2,500 to $4,500 on $20,000 as an example. Exactly. Okay. So another way, let's say, you know what, let's say I do that. Let's play a little game. Right. Okay, so I've got an RMD that's $30,000. I'm taking $20,000, giving mm-hmm. it to this qualified, and I only make $60,000 now afterwards. Mm-hmm. 
and this is are we taking the standard deduction out just to right. keep math simple? So, right. but I'm a married couple, yeah, and I think I might want to convert a Roth. Would this be a good time to have that conversation under this little scenario? I'm not sure. locking you into. Well, yeah, and here's an example of what that is, and um, in, in where you're going, of course, is if your income is under for a married couple. Okay, if your income is under a hundred thousand a year. And there's a little bit of a cushion here, under and three, hundred four, depending on your situation. So, hundred thousand dollars a year, though, we'll stay with that. Then you're you're in a twelve percent bracket. So, in this scenario, if you get sixty thousand, is the uh, is the amount of tax, okay, or the amount of taxable income, mm-hmm. and you're gonna you get the charity aside. That's taken care right. of now. Now we can talk additionally about Roth conversions. If you're only going to pay 12% tax, this goes back to my original yes. premise about your RMDs maybe down the road being much higher. And you might, this is where this strategy can come in because if they're going to push you up over 100000 and you're going to be in a 22% bracket, that's a huge savings potentially in taxes. Another, think in terms of this, there's a sunset provision in the current tax code that this ta- the tax code that we have currently is going to revert back to the uh, prior tax uh, plan, well, basically the law was enacted. So that means that that 12% bracket is going to go up to 15%. The 22 is going to go up to 25. So even that alone can be another reason to pay the tax today to avoid having to pay as much later. Yeah. Or just, I love the other part where if something happens to you and your family inherits, I mean, inheriting a Roth IRA versus just Wendell called and talked about exactly. the inherited IRA. Yes. Well, what's the difference if I inherit a Roth IRA? What would the Huge difference, difference be? And this is one of the things. We were talking in that situation about required minimum distributions. If it's your Roth, no, you don't have to take any money out. So that's another advantage. You don't have to take money out. You right. can let it grow throughout your entire lifetime. If legacy pa- planning is part of this for you and you want to leave that to your children, they're going to get tax-free money. Like and that, that means, yes, there go, right? And it's kind of like you're setting up almost a pension for them in a sense because they're going to have – now, this is the exception, by the way. No RMDs during your lifetime on a Roth. However, for the people that inherit that Roth, they will have to take RMDs, just like any inherited IRA or but. Roth plan, but no taxes. Yes. They don't have to pay. It's, it's tax-free income to them. You've just created a great opportunity. To, and who loses in this situation? What's going to happen with tax rates, in, if not in your lifetime? Do you expect they'll go up or right. stay the same? If right. you expect they'll go up, it's a good time to pay your taxes. If you think, and what about during your children's lifetime and your grandchildren's lifetime? What what brackets might right. they be in? If you can create tax-free money, the only one, that, what are you doing? You're disinheriting one person and one person, and I say person, one entity and one yeah. entity only. IRS, and that's the good IRS. old Uncle exactly. Sam, which we yeah. would love to all to have that advantage. But that's, so that's the kind of planning Hank does. I mean, it's always fun because we love to play those games, or I love to play those games with him, give him scenarios. And usually that's because my clients have called me with scenarios and said, hey, what if I do this? And I'm like, oh, no, let me call Hank. <laughs> what if you do this? Because, again, I am not a financial planner. I am a tax person, and my goal is to usually get your taxes as low as possible every Every year. So if you've got a good tax person, they're probably going to come to you and say, every year, do you want to contribute to your IRA? Because if you do, you put 6000 in, you might save 1000 or 1200 or $2,000, depending on your tax bracket. And that's going to give you instant gratification and your money's growing automatically. Doesn't mean it was the best advice for long-term financial planning. And that's why I love having Hank on the show, because that's about as far as my financial planning goes. Um, uh, And, you know, I I mean, I do try to get people to consider the Roth if they're in the lower brackets, but I'm not an expert at it. And maybe it's not a good advice. You know, you need someone. So you need to go ahead. The first 10 callers that call Hank, 615-376-5325, they're going to get what? 
a comprehensive financial plan. So this may be two or three visits to get this done for you. We're going to look at what your income is, your expenses are. We're going to look at your assets, your liabilities. We're going to talk about uh, inflation and taxes and how they're going to affect you. So we'll show you not what your expenses are today. We'll then show you 10 years what it's going to take. So, for instance, if you need $100,000 a year to live on now, okay, that means in about 10 years you're going to need about somewhere around $135,000, $140,000 just to buy the same things that you're buying at $100,000. Do you have a plan in place to make sure that your income goes up to stay to keep pace with inflation? And then, of course, taxes, which are going to reduce down that income. So we factor that in. Based on all these things, I can show you what your financial future is based on the things you're doing today and then help you with strategies to improve that picture to make sure you're going to be able to attain and maintain your standard of living and quality of life no matter how long you live. All right, so if you want to have one of those free consults, 615-376-5325. All right, we're going to take our last break. If you've been holding your breath and you're wanting to talk about taxes, money issues, maybe you have a question about something other than financial planning, because Hank is out of here. 615-737-9986 the number here in the studio, 615-737-9986. We'll be right back. We are back live in studio. I'm Dr. Friday. I'm an enrolled agent licensed with the Internal Revenue Service to do taxes and representation. Now's the time to think about, is it time to do your taxes? What If you haven't filed your 2018, obviously we only have, if you filed an extension, until October 15th. Don't forget business owners. If you have a 1065, 1120s standard forms, um, any business uh, return is going to be due September 15th. So assuming, again, that extensions have been filed. If that's the case, you need to make sure you get filed. But also preparing for 2019. I mean, I can't tell you how many people get in these systems where they're basically working on 18 until almost September, and then they're starting to work. Well, it's hard to really give great advice if you don't have good financials. So you need to at least take the time to either set up a system in-house, hire an outside bookkeeper, do something that's going to help you figure out, are you making money? Because when you wait till the end of the year and then your tax person's telling you that you've made money and you're sitting there going, no, I haven't. No, I haven't. I don't have that money. So where is it? And you forget the money it costs for you to pay your rent, your mortgage, your car payments, your kids' private schools or your dentist bills or whatever else it takes to to survive in the world, depending on who or what you are. It still needs to be accounted for. And I will tell you, we had an uh, interesting audit that went through our office and um i've been at this 20 plus years and one of the biggest things that um i i felt when i was done with this particular audit was that maybe i wasn't pushing hard enough the importance of of good tax records you know all the dollars that go through a bank account for a business owner and that could include your personal accounts if you ever get audited every dollar that goes through your account is got to be accounted for period Also, lifestyle is being taken into account. So if you're a person that owns several pieces of real estate, if you have multiple mortgage payments, different ways, and and it doesn't make sense, you're you're making $50,000 a year, but you own a million dollars in real estate, unless there's a a way that you've achieved that um, through inherited monies, something, the government is going to look at that as there is cash, there is unreported income coming someplace. Right now we have a big thing and that part of that what came of this was house flipping. So there's quite a few people that are house flipping and that is generating some serious 
um, income reporting because they don't know what the cost is, right? So all they're seeing is 1099Ss that show that this person sold a $285,000 home. They're selling five to six of these every year. They're doing it for three or four years. Not everything is being reported straight out. And so tracking that income, making sure that income is totally documented, which means if you're doing a house flip, if you're doing, you need to, ideally, my bookkeeper just set up somebody and he basically says every house needs its own bank account. You need to have a new bank account every time you do a house. So that way you can do beginning to end purchase to closing. And that way you can justify every single thing that went into that house and you have a good paper trail. It's a thought, not to say that's going to be all the records you need, but it's a thought. Oh, my boy, Milton. I bet this is my Milton. Hello. Hello, Dr. Friday. Hey. Hank, how you both doing? We are good. Hank Hank had to sneak out. He had a busy day today, apparently, but he did make a little time for me. But, Milton, I know exactly who you are, so what kind of trouble are you causing? Hey, look here. I was working out at the Y, and I had a guy there, and he said, Hey, did you know that if you give money away to your children or whatever, you have to pay taxes on it? I said, What are you talking about? He said, Hey, well, he said, I think the, the giver has to pay taxes and the receiver has to pay taxes. I said, I don't think you're right about that. I said, he said, yes, it is. It depends on the amount. I said, well, I tell you what, I know where I can get an answer from. So I'm calling you for that answer. If you you give money, let's say, to your children, maybe $20,000 or $30,000, is the giver having to pay taxes on that or the receiver, or how does that work? Well, right now, the, the limitation for your lifetime of giving is like $11 million or something like that. It's, it's, uh, it's in the, and I can look that up really quick. It's several million dollars anyways, the gifting at this moment. So the fact is no one's going to pay. You would have to file, if it's over $15,000, there is a gift tax return um, that you would have to file so that you um, report and it would start coming out of your lifetime giving minimum. Um, but other than that, the only reason either person would pay tax would be if that person took it out of an IRA or something and it wasn't already taxed, right? Um, so they would have to pay tax on the money. But uh, it would always be the giver that would be the person taxed. The person receiving would never be taxed, um, you know, as far as having any kind of tax and the gift tax return would also be okay so right now married couple so 11 uh increase blah 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 blah, estate tax exemptions gift tax ununified so it is five million forty nine per person so i don't think any most people are going to have a difficult time gifting over five million dollars i i see what you're saying i think he had his amount being about right at about thirty thousand that he wanted to give his daughter so he was concerned about having to pay taxes, but what I'll explain to him that he'll have to go all the way up to close to eleven million before he'll have to pay any taxes. Is that right? Right, but he would have if he gives one child thirty thousand dollars, he would have to file a gift tax return report that he gave her fifteen thousand dollars above the the minimum. Right? right. Um, he may choose to if the daughter is married. Give the the husband fifteen and give her fifteen. That would keep them under the minimum, and that's not reportable. I but, see. Okay. Okay. You know, but if it's only only child and he's doing thirty thousand, then you know he does. It's it's not going to tax him. It's just going to come out of his five million dollar lifetime. Um, you know, gifting uh, that we're entitled to. Hey, sounds good. I can't wait to pass that information no on. And thank you so much. Thank you, sweetheart. Thanks for okay. listening. Appreciate you. Bye-bye Bye. Now. All right, we are live here in studio. Wow, just for the last four minutes or so, life is going fast. 
Gotta love it. Um, all right. So I was talking about being an enrolled agent. Um, so if you have IRS questions or you need help with the Internal Revenue Service, or maybe you just haven't really filed taxes in a number of years and you're ready to get started on that, I kind of specialize in that, it seems like, because if you're ever going to make a deal with the IRS, the very first thing you have to do is get current with the government. And that also means paying estimated taxes. So as I was saying about proper documentation, making sure that you're doing all the right paperwork, um, I get it, people. I mean, you're self-employed, you're, you're one-man team sometimes, or you may have a crew of people, but it's difficult to keep track of everything. But I will tell you, life is simpler if you have someone that's going to be doing the documentation. If you ever have to go through an audit, recreating that information is not something most people want to have to deal with. And small business owners, you know, a lot of times they, they have a tendency to just kind of do the best they can. Maybe it's the easiest way to say that because it's not always the best that this should be. Sometimes there's documentation, receipts that aren't done. And nowadays with cell phone guys, Pictures can be taken of receipts, turned into PDF. You can keep them saved on your phone. Mileage can be done electronically. So we have mileage charts from when you're doing the things. So there is ways of keeping track of and saving different receipts. And those receipts can come in hand as well from when returning things. Get in the habit of good documentation. Could save you thousands of dollars in an audit. Um, I had a person that came in just last week. They handled their own audit. Um, I'm too, you know, looking at the paperwork, I'm not even sure if they really handled it or just let the IRS assess and see um, and do it. But the bottom line is this person was a courier and they had a lot of deliveries. But instead of, you know, maintaining a really good log, they didn't have any kind of proof, even though they were a courier and the only way they made money was delivering. They didn't have any real documentation. Now, the government does allow, in the sense of an audit or whatever, a recreation, as long as you label it that, of your hours or your time based on the best you can. So that's what we are working on. So it's really important to do the best you can while it's happening. Get pictures and create PDFs of all your receipts. Try to document uh, meetings if you're going to go to dinner or if you're taking someone out. Document who you did it with. Staple the business card of the person you're with. Um, you know, Try to find a way because two, three days, even a week later, you forget what you've done because you're so busy being an entrepreneur. I get it, but you really do need to have somebody. And nowadays the IRS is really trying to, like I was talking about those home flippers, that kind of thing is something that is just really difficult because they don't know if you go to Home Depot to buy things for yourself or for your business. No one really knows. So if you need help doing your bookkeeping or with help with your taxes, you need to give me a call. My office number is 615-367-0819. That's directly to me, 615-367-0819. You can also email me. Sometimes that's the easiest way to do it. Friday, like the day of the week, F-R-I-D-A-Y at drfriday.com friday at drfriday.com check out my new website it's uh, really cool and you can also um, email right off the website directly to me in case you didn't catch that email um, and you can see a little bit more who I am what I do and what I might be able to do to help you if you've got a friend feel free to refer them you know it's a way it works make sure we keep people out of tax issues is the best way to do it so again you can reach me at 615-367-0819 call you later